Welcome to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast, where we share tips, tricks, and hacks on how to practice gratitude daily. Whether you're a gratitude guru or lost your 10th gratitude journal, we've got you covered. We share personal and authentic stories from our guests who are entrepreneurs, business professionals, parents, caregivers, and everyday human beings just like you and I. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm really excited because once again, I have a fantastic interview to share with you. Now, before we go any further, I wanted to check in with you. How are you feeling? You know, the first few weeks of January have gone by. Are you feeling okay? Are you experiencing, you know, Blue Monday? What is going on with you and how have you been taking care of yourself? Self-love, of course, means taking really good care of our bodies and our minds and our spirit. And I wanted to ask you what you're doing right now to keep your immune system healthy. I have spoken a number of times about the importance of keeping our immune system really strong and healthy so that we can be prepared when we are confronted with different viruses and bacteria, and we want our immune system to be in optimal health. So I wanted to recommend taking a closer look at our product partner, Isana Health Sciences, and some of the products that we have to share and support your immune system. My favorite immune support products are vitamin D, an absolute critical uh, product for a healthy immune system, vitamin C, which uh, USANA has in a number of different products as well. In Canada, it's available as a product called Poly C. In the US, it's available as Booster C. And um, my third most important support for immune system is a mushroom powder product that has beta-glucans and zinc. And that one's called Proglucamune. I know it's a mouthful. However, it really is about keeping your immune system primed and ready for when it comes under attack. I have been using these products for myself and my family for over a decade. The Proglucamune is a newer product. Uh, However, I've been using it every single day since it launched uh, four years ago. I don't go a day without it because it's for everyday immunity. To learn more about these and other USANA products that can support your overall well-being and optimal nutrition for yourselves, please visit wakeupwithgratitude.usana.com forward slash share. That's wakeupwithgratitude.usana.com forward slash share to learn all about how these amazing products can support you and your family. And when you purchase directly through this link, you'll get the same preferred pricing that I do, which is a savings of 10% off the retail price of USANA. And you'll be directly connected to me, which means I can support you at no extra cost through your lifestyle journey with USANA. That's wakeupwithgratitude.usana.com forward slash share. On the podcast today, I'm so excited to share with you my interview with Jory Rose. We enjoyed a deep conversation about gratitude and explore ways to integrate gratitude into our lives in ways that I'd never thought of before. Jory is a licensed marriage and family therapist with an optimistic and grateful attitude. 
She navigated a difficult childhood and her gratitude practices are what has helped her to heal and move forward with grace. Her book, A Year of Gratitude, Daily Moments of Reflection, Grace, and Thanks was published in early 2021. Jory is a mindfulness and meditation teacher and a master manifester. I loved our time together and this interview ended up going longer than I had even realized because we were so deep into our conversation that I didn't even notice that any time had passed. Some of the best moments of the interview come right at the end. So I encourage you, if you're not able to listen to it all in one go, to come back to it so that you don't miss all of the incredible goodness that Jory shares with us. She is truly someone who lives and practices daily gratitude, and we are so, so lucky that she said yes to being on the podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. I'm your host, Julie Boyer, and today I'd like to welcome to the podcast a brand new friend, Jory Rose. Hello, friend. Hey, Julie. So happy to be here with you. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, I am so thrilled. So I found Jory through Instagram, and I was like, I need to have you on the podcast because of the way that you like me, are really helping people to uh, just live in gratitude. So Jory is a licensed marriage and family therapist who also has a tremendous passion for gratitude. She just launched her book, A Year of Gratitude, Daily Moments of Reflection, Grace, and Thanks. She is a mindfulness and meditation teacher, and she also has her very own podcast, Journey Forward with Jory Rose. I just love following you on Instagram. I've just learned so many different ways. Here's the thing. You think like after over a hundred podcasts about gratitude, after studying it for so many years, you would think that I've kind of seen it all. But what I love is that you're sharing things in different ways, in new perspectives that I haven't really seen. And I just am so excited to get into that with you. But before we kind of get into that part, I'm curious about, you know, a little bit about your story, how you became um, a licensed marriage and family therapist, and then where does this gratitude piece come from? So yeah, definitely. I love that you are curious about the story because that's one thing that fascinates me most with people as well. Like we can just delve into the now, but to not have context for it doesn't make it as rich, right? To understand. And so to, in a nutshell, share my story. Um, I grew up in a family that had experienced a lot of um, pain and really deep suffering um, growing up. Very close-knit with my mom and my older brother and sister, but a lot of transgenerational trauma. Mm. My mom's parents were killed in a car accident when my mom was 16. My mom was the only survivor of the accident. She had two younger brothers that she at 16 years old became instant caretakers to They were 13 and seven. Her immigrant Russian grandparents moved in with them, but she became the adult at 16 years old and ended up marrying my dad when she was 19. I'm the youngest of the, of the kids. And they ended up getting divorced when I was about three. And then when I was 10, my dad committed suicide. So by the time I was 12 years old, I had been to six funerals and grief and trauma and pain and suffering was inherent in our family DNA. And yet I was a really happy kid. And 
I, you know, so you ask about where this piece of gratitude comes from. And I, I think the, the deep family belief that my mom gained from her grandmother, I mean, the family trauma going back to my mom's grandmother, who was it, part of the Bolshevik revolution in the early 1900s in Russia, in which, you know, the Bolsheviks burned her home and she had to escape. I mean, like, there's a lot of family trauma and almost every generation prior had had, um, you know, death of parents. I mean, there's a lot, but my mom's grandmother, the matriarch of this family, believed that life is for the living, that you, you cry, you mourn, and then you eat. <laughs> and in Judaism, you know, there's a lot of ritual around mourning, and then you move on right. and you focus on life is for the living. And so I think always having that as a foundation helped me through all these challenges that by all other accounts, I should have been a pretty screwed up kid. And I never was. Now, what resulted was I didn't really know who I was. I was deeply dependent on my mom. I was insecure. I was anxious. And I believed the world was a scary place. And because the worst case scenarios did happen, they weren't what ifs in my family. So I always understood where my fear and anxiety came from. And I think I always was able to look for the good and to focus on that, even though those fears and anxieties held me back. It was kind of this paradox that I, I grew up with. So, you know, the complete part of my story is I ended up um, dating my now ex-husband when I was 13 years old and, you know, dated, um, met at 13, started really dating at 14, got married at 24. And I always knew that I wanted to be a marriage family therapist right out of undergrad. I went to graduate school, got my master's degree, started working on the fifth in California where I live 3000 hours of an internship is what you need to become qualified for the state exams. Wow. And I got about 1500 hours in and realized this isn't for me. I was 24 years old. I had no business being anybody's therapist, even though I had a lot of life experience. I didn't have personal life experience and it didn't feel right for me. Hmm. So I ended up stopping, which was hard because I'd never quit anything in my life. And I'm a very determined person, but I also wanted to be a stay at home mom and living in the Bay area. I was really grateful that I even had the financial ability to be home with my girls. And I've got two daughters who are now 17 and a half and almost 15. And those years were incredible. I would not change it for a single second, just fully present, stay at home mom, loving every bit of that with my girls. But then I woke up one day in my early thirties and, you know, I realized in an effort to calm that underlying fear and anxiety, and I don't know who I am. One of the ways that I managed that was to just do what was next, what was next, what was next in the hopes that if I did what was next, I could create a safety and security of what was known. Because to me, the unknown was a big place of fear. But I woke up one day, it was like, I had achieved everything, like, you know, married, kids, house, it was like, now what? What's my next? Like, there's no next. And it really led me into an identity crisis. You know, I had never given myself the opportunity to really get to know who I was on my own outside of my roles as wife and mom. And it was this big existential crisis. I call it my one third life crisis because I was too young for it to be midlife. <laughs> but uh, it got me into therapy. And when I was in my therapist's office that very first day, I'm like, you know, 
I kind of like being in this space. I think I want to go back for my hours. And I ended up having to start from scratch again, because you have to complete the hours within six years. And I was now kind of eight and a half years out. So starting from scratch again, but it was the right time. And at this point I was really like, okay, universe, like I'm open, give me everything you got. I was really open to signs of the universe and in developing that spiritual awareness and too many synchronicities to name occurred. And it helped me unfold that I was on the right path. Any, all my synchronicities was a reminder I'm where I'm supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And what that ended up looking like was I got licensed. Um, actually, before that, I, I, I found mindfulness. Actually, it found me. I didn't seek it out. It was an awareness I had had on my supervisor's bookshelf. And it led to a series of curiosities, which led to taking um, courses and trainings and certifications and retreats and silent retreats. And so I delved into mindfulness. And it was the first opportunity I had had to really understand that I was able to slow down that I had lived in my head and in those thoughts and in those fears and anxieties. And I didn't know how to embody and really be present because it, it was scary. I was scared of the unknown. And um, so it gave me the first ability to know how to connect with my breath, to be able to observe my thoughts as thoughts and not truth. And it just, it changed my life in every which way. And I always knew I wanted to be a therapist, but part of that was I knew I needed an ability to create a career around my kids, that my kids were not my number one priority. And as a therapist, I could choose my own hours. And that was, you know, one of my highest values was always being there as my mom was when I was a kid, she was always home for me. And I deeply, deeply valued that and wanted to recreate that. And as the years unfolded, I delved further into the mindfulness practice, I started teaching mindfulness to kids in a school and did that for four years, as well as being a school counselor, completed my hours and ended up at 36 years old, um, going through a divorce. I had been with my ex-husband since I was 20, uh, since I was 13. So it was a total of 23 years oh and really in my mid thirties, having this opportunity to discover for the first time, really who I am and how I wanted to show up in the world. And I couldn't have done it without my mindfulness practice. It's given the, me the ability to, to breathe and, you know, shift my mindset of the unknown instead of being a place of fear is a place of possibility. And, you know, when you were asking this original question of how was a gratitude a theme in my life? Well, I think I've always been an optimistic person. Always. It's my nature. Um, I'm always happy and smiling. Even when I was in stuck in fear and anxiety, you wouldn't know that really. I didn't embody that in a way that it shifted my being. It was just where I was stuck in my head, really. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it informed my decisions and it, you know, kind of stopped me. But I've always looked for the good, believed in the good, was optimistic. And I think that's been one of the lights that has carried me through all these years. And I've always wanted to write books and I've actually got two books already published through a small publishing house um, that markets for school educators and school counselors. One is a, a mindfulness book for kids called Squirmy Learns to Be Mindful. And the other one is a book for um, educators or counselors on how to guide a child through a mindfulness practice. But um, when this opportunity was actually presented for me to write this gratitude book, it was like all the big yes, right? Because it was such a way of incorporating 
all the things that I know of being able to understand the impact of the lens through which you see the world matters, regardless of your circumstances of what's arising around you. Like whatever's arising is what's arising, but how you relate to it impacts how it affects you. And even in my most challenging moments, I drew upon all these tools to help me get through the most difficult of times. And I've been through some pretty difficult times and I've got a whole set of, of tools and resources and frameworks and strategies that are thousands of years old and backed by Western science to say it works. And, um, so that, that's kind of my story in a nutshell. Oh, well, thank you, first of all, for being open and for sharing your story, even the hard parts. I really, truly appreciate that. And I will say that I love that you, you know, you have this knowing now that you grew up optimistic in the face of the challenges and the difficulties. And a lot of people really struggle with that. And it's important for those to live in a more optimistic way, actually for us to keep sharing that with others, to help remind others that there are, there is beauty in the moment. There is that ability to be present and find the good, even in the darkest of moments. And I think one gift that you have is the way that you share. It just feels really good to see you share. There's like a real positive energy to the way that you are showing up on social media and through your website and all these things. And that's such a beautiful gift right now. We need gratitude and mindfulness and being grateful. All these things, we need it more than ever. Absolutely. Yeah. So absolutely. And, 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 you know, and we just came through, we've all survived this incredibly painful, difficult year. And, you know, so many people that I talk to, and as a full-time therapist, I talk to a lot of people, my client load has more than doubled since COVID began. So, you know, mental health is a great place to be in business in the middle of a pandemic. You know, most people will say like, oh my God, this was the worst year ever. Well, yeah, it was a hard year. And if the only way that people reflect on it is on their losses and the things that were taken away of their freedoms and their opportunities and their choices and connections, then yeah, that's going to be what you dwell on. And I'm not saying I liked 2020 in a lot of ways. And there was so much good that came out of it. In fact, I, at the end of the year, posed a challenge. I, I always lead a workshop. Um, I apologize if it isn't in the language, but um, you know, it's a, it's a let your shit go workshop that I do at the end of the year. Uh, I used to do, be doing in my office that I now did virtually this past year. And it's a release of, you know, the previous year of what you want to let go of. So you can create the space for what you want to bring in. But I posed a challenge of do your own 2020. What were the 20 best things to come out of the year 2020? And it's pretty amazing. And my birthday is January 3rd. So on social media, on my birthday, I wanted to write 43 lessons I've learned in my 43 years. And even like with the 2020 challenge I gave people, the first thought was, I can't come up with that many good things. Like, you know, how am I going to do that? And the same thing when I did my 43, you know, lessons, I could have kept going. It's like, once you put your mind into that mindset, it can be ongoing because the lessons or the gifts or the gratitudes, there's so many you can't, you know, if you look for them, they're there. I just want to say one last thing, you know, for many people, they'll be like, well, nothing good is going on in my life at all. Nothing. 
And so I will always say, you know what? And this is kind of derived from a John Kabat-Zinn quote, who's like the grandfather of mindfulness in the Western world. He says, as long as you're breathing, there's more right with you than wrong with you. And the fact that you're here breathing right now means that you have a 100% success rate of getting through everything you never thought you could. Doesn't mean you liked it. Doesn't mean it was easy, but you got through it. And that in and of itself is the biggest gratitude we can have. We'll be right back to the podcast after this short word for our partner, USANA Health Sciences. Oh, friends, I don't know about you, but I had a fantastic time over the holiday season. I ate my favorite foods. I enjoyed more chocolate than I normally do, drank a little bit more alcohol, and just really enjoyed myself over the holidays without feeling guilty. One of the things that I love to do to start the new year is a program called the Five Day Reset Jumpstart. So this is a five-day program that helps you to kick the carb and sugar cravings to the curb. You actually help release some of the bloating and that feeling of having low energy and not being able to say no when all that leftover Christmas chocolate is put in front of you. So this is a program I've been doing for over a decade, especially in the new year. What it is, is for five days, you're having three complete meal replacements per day. You can choose chocolate and vanilla or the plant-based, which was my favorite. And then you have two healthy snacks, as well as you have your micronutrients. So you have your nutritional supplements from USANA, as well as your probiotic. And guess what? It comes in a beautiful red box with instructions, a checklist, and it is honestly one of the easiest programs to follow. Now, Are you going to change your health in five days? Nope. Are you going to set yourself on a good foot forward in order to make those changes that you want to make in your health for 2021 with a five-day reset? Absolutely. And when you purchase using my link, you also get personal coaching with me and you get to be part of our group reset programs as well. So if you want to learn more about it, just check out bit.ly forward slash reset with USANA and USANA is all capitalized. I'll put the link in the show notes for you and you can check it out. So my friends, I encourage you to join me. I'm in the middle of my five-day reset as I record this and I already feel amazing. It's one of my favorite things to do. So just visit bit.ly forward slash reset with USANA. USANA is U-S-A-N-A, all caps. Or just send me a message through any social. Say, hey, Julie, I heard about this reset thing and I want to learn more about it and see if it's right for me. I'd love to help you, my friends. Let's support each other and make 2021 our healthiest year ever. Let's get back to the podcast. Uh, I loved that you did the review of the year and found the good things. And I did the same because I was like, there, I actually, so 2020 was not the hardest year that I've ever been through. I've actually been through years that have been a lot worse. Um, Trust me, the year where my husband lost his job, uh, we uh, crashed our car into a deer, and then I lost, I had a miscarriage and ended up in a hospital uh, in a medically induced coma for uh, a week. That was a hard year, (laughs) right? And there were hard things about last year and our lives were turned upside down and I did go through a lot of trauma and difficult stuff. But just like you, the fact of the matter is the reason why we cultivate gratitude 
every day, no matter what, is because hard things will happen in our lives. That is not going to change. And it is the way that we choose to have perspective and react that gets us through it. And I, this perspective of, I do think it's so important to look back on a year and find the good because even in the hardest years, the, if you look at the failures and find the lesson, yep. it ends up being a positive thing. I think there's so many ways. I think you and I have similar ways of thinking, which is why I was so excited. Yes, to absolutely. I mean, even I, I've been with my fiance now for a little over five years and, you know, re-engaging in relationship post-divorce is, is a challenge on a variety of levels. And as we've continued to grow together, anytime that we've gotten stuck, even it's like, you know, I don't mind that we're stuck, but what are we here to learn from it? Like, what's the good that's going to come out of this challenge? And again, it's a, it's a, I'm choosing to have that perspective. It's a choice to look at it in that way. And most people, because our negativity biases are really strong, right? That wiring is really strong can only see when they're in the midst of it. They can't even see the forest for the trees, right? They have no perspective or no space or expansiveness around the challenge to be able to observe or even future, you know, be able to perceive it in the future. They'll be able to reflect upon what was I here to learn from this? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so into what's the lesson I'm supposed to learn here that to me, then it's all good. Then there's nothing bad. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny. Someone once was like, are you like happy in the drama? I'm like, no, I don't want the drama. But I, I ask myself the question when it's happening, I am here because there was a lesson for me to learn. Absolutely. And if similar dramas show up again and again, it's like, I am not getting a lesson. Yeah. Like, so, there's a real lesson here that I am not getting. So I'm going to just keep ending up in this similar drama and trauma the same way again and again until I get the I, I think Oprah says it something like what starts as a whisper becomes a scream yeah. if we're not paying attention to those lessons. Yeah. And then people have a health crisis or whatever, and it manifests in a different way. So, oh, so interesting. Speaking of the, um, how things manifest in our bodies. So I think this is so interesting. I did a challenge last week on, um, facing a fear in my business and my network marketing business. And it was a really big, like a huge challenge. I I decided I chose to undertake it. I was like, I stopped. I'm like, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going for it. I'm so ready. Like I'm facing my fears. And the next morning I woke up and I, I mean, I, I have, um, endometriosis. I have cramps every month and they're, they're bad, but something like my whole body hurt. Like every, I couldn't, I was like, I tried to, I was going to go look at the sunrise and I like got into the car. I'm like, I can't even drive. I need to go lie down. I spent the day on the couch. My husband is like, are you okay? I'm like, I don't know what is wrong. Joy, what's so crazy is when we re-met up with the group that I'm doing this mastermind with. Um, so on yesterday, on Thursday, uh, everyone in chat was like, oh my gosh, I got sick. Couldn't get out of bed. Couldn't move. Couldn't do this. Like our body physically manifests stuff when we won't take care of it. When we try to clean out, it's going to show up in your body. And what you said about like the whisper turning into a scream. So many times the lesson shows up in like uh, some kind of degenerative come around, whether you're paying attention or not. Yeah. I, I spoke with a client yesterday who has taken in a lot of drama from other people in her life personally and professionally. And she's like, 
at a breaking point, she's taken it all in. And she also didn't think it was connected and said, you know, I haven't been feeling great. I went to my doctor. turns out I've got light asthma and kidney issues. And I, I looked at her, of course, through Zoom and was like, okay, can we talk about the mind-body connection here? Because you are taking in this toxicity and look, your lungs are full and you can't breathe and your kidneys aren't processing through the toxins in your body. Like it, there's no surprise here in the way that I see things, right? Yeah. That holistic approach of this mind-body connection, it's going to show up. It's going to show and, up. You know, it's yeah. as we process through our emotions and our, you know, understand the cycle through which we have to go through it to get through it, right? We actually got to allow ourselves this beginning, middle and end of our experiences to actually get to the light at the end of the tunnel on the other side. Otherwise we stay stuck there. I love how you said to like, to finish it, to get through it is also really critical because we can sometimes spend a lot of time in the middle section and that is where a lot of people are stuck and their energy stuck in their, you know, all that stuff. There's so. a great new book about that called burnout. Oh, oh yes. Burnout. Yeah. Amelia Nagoski. And yes. they talk about this emotion being a cycle. And the reason we get to this exhaustion, emotional exhaustion, burnout, fatigue, compassion, fatigue, right. Is because we are not allowing ourselves to process through all of it. Yeah. It's, it's, so, it's so powerful. It's so powerful. They were on um, a Brene Brown podcast. Yes, they were. It was amazing. Like, it was so, okay. So you listen to that too. I love it. Oh my gosh. Okay. So Jory, listen, I, okay. So you did a podcast recently, which I did not listen to beforehand. Cause I didn't want to get all the ideas, but I, I'm you, your title is creative ways to integrate gratitude. Yes. Now I am a big fan of the traditional gratitude journal and like writing three things you're grateful for to have a perspective on the day from gratitude and then doing a gratitude attention. It's like my staple gratitude. And you, I think you had 12 different ways to integrate creative ways to integrate gratitude in this podcast. Now we're going to invite people to go listen to the full podcast because you've already done that work, but would you mind maybe just giving us two or three of them? (laughs) So curious, you know, so with the book that I just had come Mm. out that um, is officially on sale now on Amazon. Yay! I'm so excited. Um, The book is 365 ways of practicing gratitude. It is literally by the calendar day a different entry per day. So this task of 365 different ways to be grateful felt a little daunting at first. So telling you 12 right now, it seems pretty easy compared (laughs) to the 365 that I came up with. But let me just preface by saying in the book, it's organized into like practices or reflections, journal prompts, meditations, mindfulness practices, affirmations, um, inspirational quote. So, you know, in that traditional sense, like you said, we think of practicing gratitude as let me write down three things I'm grateful for. Hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. By all means, that's a great thing to do, whether it's a beginning morning intention of looking, you know, at your day through that lens of positivity, or whether it's an end of the day reflection as a way of kind of quieting down your evening and having that, you know, slowing down time at night. Hmm. It's all great. And sometimes we can kind of get rote in our habits. And just like we go through life on autopilot, I think the more we can institute different ways to practice the same things, the novelty creates a richer experience. 
And so even before I delve into the 12, I want to also say, you know, some other research shows that when you can go into greater depth versus breadth of your gratitude, it impacts you differently. So that might be mm-hmm. instead of writing three things that you're grateful for, which is again, still great, not knocking it by any means. But if you choose one thing you're grateful for, and then reflect on five reasons why. Mm. So going deeper helps you connect. So it's not just, I'm grateful for my home. I'm grateful for my daughters. I'm grateful for my career or my clients, but let me actually pause and consider what is it about my home? I'm grateful for what is it about my daughters? I'm grateful for And so it helps us deepen the practice, which right off the bat, I think that's a beautiful thing to consider. So I invite all of you to try that. Well, I really like that one actually, because so here's the thing, a good proportion of the audience of the podcast already practices gratitude. So a lot of people are here as reminders, as ways to deepen their practice, as a way to stay on track, learning new ways. And I love, I love the fact that something that seems so simple and so obvious, there's so many ways that we can have it show up in our lives or we can be intentional about our gratitude. And there's some things I do every day and there's some things I do when I remember. And that's, I think what your book really offers that is like, you might not do it every single day, but every time you open it, there's gonna be a new way and a new way to practice gratitude. So I'm just curious about the book. Is it set up? as like one to 365 days, or is it set up by like January 1st to January 1st kind of thing. So you can pick up wherever you are and it gives you a whole year's worth of, of prompts, so to speak. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I love that you, you took the time to put this together and you said you were invited to do this. Like, was it a, like a, a spiritual download invitation or someone was like, Jory, I want you to write this. The publisher found me and asked me as the expert to write this book. So yes, that's amazing. So it felt like oh a my great God. honor as well. Yeah. Perfectly aligned, right? It oh was my gosh. definitely a moment of alignment. Um, so going back to some other ways to practice, yeah. one of the other things before I delve into some of the, the 12 that I want to refer to, sometimes reflecting can feel like a passive practice, right? We're looking back, right? Which is great. Nothing wrong with this. And I like the idea of at the end of the day, writing down your successes from the day because it creates an opportunity for a more proactive approach to your day in that if you're struggling through something, you're stuck on something, whether it's an emotion, a thought, a task, whatever it is, an argument with your partner, a coworker, whatever. If you have the awareness, which to me, awareness is the, my favorite thing, right? That's the foundational tool for me for mindfulness that I teach. Like if, if you are practicing awareness and taking a minute to just breathe, like that's almost all you need, right? And to be able to look for the moment, so you have that awareness of these moments of potential challenge and ask yourself, how can I turn this around so it can become a success that I can acknowledge later on in my day? Mm. And when I've guided people through this, it really does create proactivity in shifting their moment. So if they, let's say, are talking with their partner and they're having an argument and they have this meta-awareness that it's not going well and they're getting flooded, 
and they take a moment to just breathe and they shift their communication pattern, that's a success that they can be grateful for at the end of the day that I had the awareness to shift my communication and we now had a more productive conversation. Yeah. I'm trying to like, think of the words to just be like, cause my mouth is like, uh, uh, for those who don't see this video, (laughs) I love it so much. I love that. Like in the moment you're thinking about how can I turn this into a success? So it's really, it's not just about the, like the writing it down later. It's like in that moment, it prompts you to think in a different way. So it's like I said, you know, the reflection is passive. So you're looking back, but the, the successes make you active throughout your day. So you can go through your day saying, you know, I want to cultivate the moments that I can acknowledge later as a success that I'm now grateful for as that success. And I can feel good about that. Awesome. Okay. One more creative way to integrate gratitude. So, in our day. Gosh, there's just so many, so many. Um, but we can buy your book and we can yes, yes, that's podcast. So many. I mean, you um, just I, launched I this book. <laughs> one of the things that I think for me personally, I'm going to give two more. Okay. Because they think these are things that I don't think people might automatically think about. Um, but one of the things is affirmations and I am someone who was special when I was going through my divorce, right? Like that was my hardest year. So I needed to draw upon as many tools as I could offer myself. And that looked like a daily practice of doing a heart opening meditation and a loving kindness meditation, um, and a little breathing meditation, but it was able to give me the affirmation for the goodness that I was cultivating in my life. And so, you know, gratitude isn't just about journaling or reflecting. It's about the messages you're telling yourself. It's the words you're speaking to in your own mind about how you're choosing to see the lens through which you see the world. And so whether that's affirming, I'm grateful for all these experiences that have gotten me to where I am, even the hard ones, right? So I love affirmations like that to continue to remind us of how we got here, even if the past was twisted and curvy and upside down and backwards and not the straight line we imagined our life to go, but it got us to where we need to be. Ideally, if we're living with awareness, we're on that path to where we need to be. We're not staying stuck. So I'm making that assumption a little bit, but so I think affirmations are a beautiful way to reflect on our past and having the, the gratitude for all the hardships because of all the lessons that we've learned from them. So affirmations is one and another one is, this can you know be kind of tricky, but there's um, a concept called a downward social comparison. Now I'm in a big belief. So you know, at the root of mindfulness practice is the first noble truth that suffering exists. Right? Suffering is just part of being human. Yeah. Pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional because the suffering is really how you're relating to what's arising. Now, in what I teach, I don't believe that suffering has any hierarchy. But when I hear the word suffering, like my mind goes to the Holocaust, like that's suffering. So if I'm using that as a baseline of suffering, I'm not going to acknowledge my hard day because it's not as bad as somebody else's hard day. So Mm -hmm. I I first off want to say that when we're doing any kind of comparison that we can own our experience as real, right? It doesn't have to be as bad as somebody else's to honor that this is hard for you. That being said, A downward social comparison is to look at a situation in where perhaps it was worse for someone else or another place in the world. And you can be grateful. It's not as bad as it could have been. Okay. 
And so even if you're suffering and in pain, it could have been worse. So you're grateful for your level of pain because it wasn't as bad as it could have been. And, you know, here in the United States, we just had a very big week of shifting our position of power in this country. And as I am incredibly grateful for our new administration and as personally believe horrible the last administration was, you know what? It actually could have gone 10 times worse also. So on the day of the inauguration, that was one of my downward social comparisons as an example in practice. Like that was horrible. And he didn't press any nuclear buttons. So you know what? It wasn't as bad as it could have been. That's big, Tori. That's big. That ability to just say like, this was really bad and it could have been way worse as a way to reflect and be like, we're still okay. We're going. I, I, that is definitely something I've not heard before. I didn't know that the downward social comparison in that way. I know that often we get stuck. We're like, well, you know, like my situation isn't as bad as another one. Like I have a roof over my head and blah, blah, blah. So I can't be suffering right now. And I think that's dangerous too. Cause well, and that's where I want people to own their stuff. You don't have to compare it to somebody else's right. Yeah. And to not own it. And yet it's this big mm-hmm. and yeah, it's not a, but it's an, and I noticed that in your language, you're very good at using and in your language. And I agree when we use that word, but we negate everything we've said before. And I, I really noticed how conscious you are with your language. And I really appreciate that. I think it's powerful. I'm really nitpicky about language. And when I'm working with clients, like it's so powerful though, Julie, because it's not just the language I'm speaking out loud to you and to Mm -hmm. your audience right now. The language in which we speak to ourselves in our own mind impacts our self-concept and impacts our experiences and impacts how we relate to what's arising. And, you know, there's a phenomenal book called The Upside of Stress. And the basic thesis of this book is how you relate to stress affects how stress affects you. And I think we could fill in the blank for stress of other things. How you relate to it's going to affect how it affects you, period. Yeah. And it's going to start with the, the language we're talking to in our own mind. So I'm, I'm very big on language and being intentional in that language. So my, one of my mentors says your word is your wand. So you're, you're paint, you know, you're, whatever you're saying is what you're creating and manifesting. See, I interpret and, that as a magic wand. <laughs> yeah, it is for sure. I totally believe that my word is a magic wand. I mean, you said it yourself, you're a master manifester. So you must have a magic wand. I'm I sure. actually do. My therapist years ago okay. said to me, you need to get a wand so you can point that energy in the right direction. Amazing. Yeah. And I have a little Tinkerbell pin on it that hangs from the one that has a little pixie dust in it. Um, Cause oh. yeah, I, I have been told I've got very powerful energy, yeah. but I also have really been a master manifester and it's not by luck. It's not by chance. It's, and there's research back on this too, of, you know, creating very clear vision because when we can create very clear vision, our reticular activation system and our brain is working in our favor. And that's a part of your brain that brings from the background to the foreground. So it helps filters out excess information and helps bring into your awareness what you need to know. And research has been done on highly successful people. Like what is it that they do? And one of the things is very clear vision and uh, like vision boards and writing it down because then your brain is like, okay, now I know what to look for. Now I know what to do to help you out. 
Oh, Jory, we could talk honestly for like the next two or three hours. How- I love it. Yes, the interesting good. time, and I'm sure there are clients waiting for your beautiful, precious time. Uh, and I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to you for doing this work during the pandemic because I know that you're like business is booming and all these things. However, you know the whole entire like like category of these of therapists that are leading people through a pandemic are at the same time living through a pandemic without the tools that because we haven't lived through this before, there's right. you know the support and the tools weren't there. So I honor the work that you've been doing because it is critical and so needed right now. And I also want to make sure that everyone knows where to find the work that you are giving away for free on Instagram and other places. And also, you know, I guess your book is available everywhere. So how do we connect with you? Oh, thank you so much, Julie, first off, for your kind words. And I, I do believe that mental health professionals are in the category of superheroes over the past year because we've held a lot of space. And I've felt humbled to be a guide on um, so many people's journey this past year. It's a very, very humbling moment to acknowledge. So just thank you for saying that. Um, best place to find me is my website, which is really easy. It's my name, Jory Rose. And from there, you can, you know, hook up with all my social media links um, on Instagram. I'm just at Jory Rose. If you find me on Facebook, you can join my journey forward with Jory Rose Facebook group. I do um, every Wednesday. I leave a light, lead a live meditation. I um, do live videos of teachings and tools, um, try to, you know, engage in the community. But on my website, I also have many courses and you can get access to my podcast from there. I've got some freebies to give away. Um, you can obviously get the book as linked. It's also on Amazon. You can just look up a year of gratitude or type in my name. But I do want to share with your community that um, something special that I've done for the book. In the book, there are 13 different meditations that are written out. But I have gone ahead and recorded all of them. And that is available to purchase for a, a small fee as a meditation bundle. But if you just want one of them, you can go on the website. There's a little pop-up. You can download the gratitude meditation, of course, for free and you know get access to that. But I think it's a really neat thing to have in conjunction with the book to have me guiding the meditations that are outlined. Thank you for that gift. I had just read about it and I'm glad you mentioned it. And I do think, you know, that's a great addition to the book and to have, yeah, it's hard when you have a meditation written in a book. Cause you're like, you know, you, you need to hear it to be able to live it. So, so smart of you to do that and offer that alongside the book. And I do hope that people find the time um, and make the effort to connect with you. As always, the links will be in the notes for the show. You'll be able to connect directly with a click of a button. If you're listening to this while you're driving, make sure that you, um, you know, just check out the links when you're safely not driving and yes. uh, just thank you again. It has been such a joy to connect with someone on all these amazing ways um, that gratitude can influence our lives and to talk about different things that maybe we hadn't thought of before. So thank you again, Jory, for being oh, with us on the podcast. Julie, absolutely my pleasure. It's always so fun. These podcasts give such a great way to connect with such like-minded people. And you're right, I feel like I could talk with you for hours. So thank you for the past hour of your time and for having me on. Uh, I'm so glad you joined us. Thanks again.
Thanks for listening right to the end of the podcast, friend. I appreciate you. Did you enjoy this episode? Do you enjoy the podcast in general? It would mean so much to me if you would take the time to share this podcast with others. There's so many ways to share it through social media. You can share it directly through the Spotify app. You can leave a review on Apple podcast. You can post a screenshot to your stories, whatever way is easiest for you. I thank you every single time you take a moment to share the podcast with others.